a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico yeah, once more off to uh, Mexico, to Campeche, to uh, pick up on the main stories from uh, Latin America. And um, we'll do that with our good friend, uh, John Bonfilio. Uh, John, very good evening to you. Very good evening. Back at you, Martin. Now, uh, Haish, uh, we were talking last week about the Haitian migrants. Uh, it's now... Well, it's moved on. It's not just a personal tragedy, but it's become a, a major political issue in the states because they're being pushed back, basically uh, pushed back with uh, with a certain amount of prejudice. Are they not? Yeah, for sure. The the optics, as the trendy phrase or the trendy word of, mm. of today would be, the optics of the week have not been good at all because they've largely involved white men with cowboy hats and whips driving black individuals and families back over the Rio Grande uh, into Mexico, which plays into, of course, the whole Jim Crow, you know, systemic racist mm. history of uh, of the USA. And, and that hasn't played out very well at all in, in, in the US or obviously more you know, further afield in, in Latin America. But Biden's uh, certainly come under the cosh for that because supposedly he was going to have a most he was going to implement a more compassionate immigration policy uh, since taking over from um, from Trump, and it's actually even led politically the political issue to his special envoy for Haiti, who is uh, basically the U.S. ambassador for the country, Daniel Foote, resigning, saying, and I quote, because it's worth just um, reading this out, I will not be associated with the United States in human, inhumane, counterproductive decision to deport thousands of Haitian refugees and illegal migrants back to Haiti. And uh, this part of it has been this because of this uh, thing called Title 42, that was Im implemented during the, the beginning of the pandemic, where basically um, migrants could just be deported back to their country of origin without any kind of, you know, processing or trial or hearing or anything like that. So throughout the week, we've had thousands of Haitian migrants being deported right back to Port-au-Prince, where they've not been for over a decade, because these guys did not, these families did not leave Haiti just now. This is a, a problem, like I said, right at the top of the show, the top of the stint, uh, years in the making. And so you've got chaos uh, at the main airport in Port-au-Prince where these guys, these individuals that are being let off the planes are not taking it kindly at all. A little bit reminiscent of the, I mean, not remotely in terms of the numbers, but the situation in Afghanistan where people are desperate to get back on planes and there's all manner of civil strife and, and so on. So as we said last week, a massive personal tragedy for for these individuals, but a problem that's that's not going to go away anytime soon. It's something of a surprise that these Haitian migrants are suddenly at the border. The, the, the border issues, obviously, as we've spoken about many times before, been a major issue with Central Americans in particular, a lot of Mexican migrants and so on, increasingly Venezuelan migrants recently. But this, these Haitian caravans have been gradually working their way up through and continue through South America and, and Central America and have been moving up for the last few years. And then suddenly, because largely because of the economic conditions due to COVID, which haven't allowed them to be employed uh, regionally, they've all decamped and arrived, uh, generating even further problems for the administration and the, and the U.S.-Mexico border. Yeah, I mean, as far as Biden's concerned, though, he's caught really between uh, a rock and a hard place, isn't he? Because, you know, as you say, the optics, you know, what you see on the news um, looks particularly bad. Um, on the other hand, if he were just to allow, um, you know, 
allow migrants in from all over the place and um, you know unrestricted, he would come in for a lot of criticism politically for that, especially from the Republicans. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's his problem. His problem is he's desperate not to be Trump. And so he wanted to go, uh, you know, to, to roll back on the policies during the Trump administration that were very heavy handed um, at, at the border. But those policies, you know, whether they were illegal or inhumane or not, fundamentally worked. Numbers were, were way down, you know, down to record lows. And now uh, in the course of just a few months of his presidency, largely because he is, you know, this this com- compassionate immigration policy is seen as being something of a soft touch. People have decided that now is the time to head on up there. And we're now at a 21 year record high um, of over 200,000 uh, events at the US-Mexico border, by which that means that you know people have been apprehended or maybe pushed back and so on. It doesn't mean that there's been over 200,000 people crossing because a number of those are repeat crosses and so on. But, but for sure, you know, 200,000 of anything in any given month is a lot, uh, even though that it's a fairly long, uh, long border that stretches to and it's a problem that is not, again, as we've said before, is not going to go away anytime soon. And, and largely these, these processes and policies are actually going to amplify uh, the problem for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, uh, as far as vaccines go, this is quite an interesting one because uh, our friend uh, Mark Donaldson in Connecticut, who works for ESPN, his uh, Argentine uh, colleague uh, wasn't able to uh, broadcast with him because he'd had uh, a vaccine which uh, wasn't approved of in the US, a different type of vaccine. And uh, the UK, I think, is in a similar position in that um, we're only allowing certain vaccines to be counted you know when we say people have to be vaccinated before they can be allowed in uh, and being accused of uh, of a racist policy yeah continuing the perceived inequities uh, that the covid is, is amplifying across the world and and what you what you're referring to is, is one particular thing where only certain vaccines are being accepted and recognized in different countries but then there's also this other supplementary problem where you basically you can have the same vaccine in different countries and for it not to be recognized in those countries so for example i have the pfizer vaccine but the uk doesn't recognize me having the pfizer vaccine as though i had you know if if i had been inoculated in in the uk so they basically the uk government essentially recognizes astrazeneca pfizer moderna and janssen the johnson and johnson vaccines but only when they are issued in the us australia New Zealand, EU and South Korea, largely, obviously, you know, white Anglo-Saxon nations. The very same, the accusation goes, the very same vaccines can be given to people in different countries, but then they're considered not fully vaccinated. So, again, the, the, the critique is that this is a discriminatory policy, that there's no scientific basis and no health criteria for it whatsoever. And that, ostensibly, it shouldn't be allowed to stand. And it leads to a number of I mean, beyond the fact that it's obviously discriminatory to a number of different inconsistencies. For example, the fact that the UK is signatory to, to the COVAX vaccine. So they actually are uh, exporting vaccines that they recognize in the UK. But when they export it to whatever other country it is, let's say, you know, for the sake of argument, I don't know, Morocco. Uh, and then that same vaccine that is sanctioned in the UK is uh, given to an individual in Morocco. Then that is not recognized by the same authority that sent it out to, to Morocco in the first place. Yeah, well, I, I, I can see the... Uh 
I, I can see that where the dispute arises from uh, in that. Just, just finally, uh, a sports story, uh, John. The uh, James Rodriguez experiment at Everton has come to an end, and. Um, Faustino Asprilla, uh, who scored some great goals um, in his days in the Premier League with Newcastle, uh, has, uh, as you say, piped up again over his countrymen. Uh, unfortunately, I went to the cutting and uh, it says, Tino Asprilla, a James lo ofrecieron en todos los equipos de Italia y nadie lo quiso. So I was pretty well lost with that. What's, what's exactly is uh, Tino Aspria saying? I think it's, it's brilliant that whenever I send you a Spanish article, you read it out <laughs> on air. This is obviously something I'm going to continue pursuing. Um, but whenever there's any story with James uh, Rodriguez, I straight away go to, to, the, to the great Tino Aspria who... Um, who speaks and commentates much as he played his football wildly, unpredictably and, and devastatingly. And he always goes uh, straight for the jugular with James Rodriguez, even though he insists that the reason that he does it is because actually they're good friends, which I don't believe for a minute. But he's been piping up about this, uh, the James Rodriguez move uh, to Qatar, Qatar from, from which nobody really ever emerges uh, enhanced. And Rodriguez is unlikely to be an exception to that rule. And uh, Tino Spria has been saying throughout the week how he may be a magician, but nobody wants him, that he was been, he was raffled across, um, or there was tended to be raffled across to all of the Italian clubs, but nobody wanted him. And of course, you know, the main problem with Rodriguez is that he plays one game and then um, is injured for the next, for the next two. So for sure, uh, I think Rodriguez and uh, Aspria probably aren't uh, Twitter buddies. Right. No, I think you're probably right there. And uh, Asprey is a sort of, uh, is a pundit. He's a sort of Gary Lineker-ish type figure, is he, these days? Yeah, he, he, uh, he works for ESPN. And for sure, he, is, uh, he, does, he, does, he does a good renter quote. Excellent. Uh, thank you ever so much, John. Uh, we'll talk again next week, if that's OK. Take care. Good man. Uh, there is John Bofilio joining us from Campeche in Mexico.